It takes an extraordinary team to embark on an extraordinary mission. WealthVest presents the 99 Best Marketing Ideas, a podcast dedicated to bringing financial advisors the most cutting-edge marketing strategies. Listen in as your fellow advisors share their top ideas to help you conquer your marketing needs. Hello and welcome to another 99 Best Ideas podcast brought to you by WealthVest. Today, we are going to talk to David Littlejohn, and David uh, owns Littlejohn Financial Services. Why we're bringing him on the podcast today is because he has mastered the local market, like truly mastered the local market to events, to referral sources, to educational events, all of these things that so many of you truly want to do. David has hit home runs, or at least triples and doubles in most of these areas. So David, welcome to the show, man. Hey, thanks, Matt. Glad to be here. I always start off this podcast with the same question because I think it's important for people to understand historical context. Why why did you decide to become a financial advisor? Oh, man. So it's a fun story, and it was a total accident. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, so the background, and I'll try to run through it super fast for you. Uh, You know, graduated from college. It was in the late 90s. Went to work with some buddies, and we tried to create sort of the equivalent of a dot-com, and it failed. (laughs) Great learning experience, but failure nevertheless. I come out with a journalism and marketing degree, which is funny, right? You think, finance, how do you get here? Well, stay with me. Took an online job that led me into the insurance industry. It was literally door-to-door insurance sales. I lasted maybe eight weeks before I said, there's no way I have a future in this. But I did have, because of my network, a roommate working with a financial firm. Made that connection and quickly saw that this was something that Fit my personality type and uh, found myself in the financial industry from that way forward. Started um, in group health insurance, it became group retirement plans, and then it became individual financial planning. And then it really just kind of blossomed into an interesting pathway through running a bank program to ultimately starting my own firm about, you know, it's coming up on 10 years here uh, at the end of 2020. So we're, we're, we're going on 10 years independent and on our own, but almost 20 years in the business now. Were you always entrepreneurial? I mean, was, was that something that when you left the bank, that's kind of a big step out into the big, bad, kind of mean, competitive world of finance? Yeah, I think I've always been a little bit entrepreneurial, but it was a little bit accidental. It didn't occur to me to be intentional until later. Uh, and it was meaning I I'd sort of started down the path of finance becoming a financial advisor. And that's when I realized, oh, that's what I've been doing. But when I was in college, I had I started a mobile DJ business. It it found me. I didn't start it on purpose. It was one of those where, uh, you know, we were, I was I was in a fraternity. It wasn't really that we were all you know big partiers, but that was just part of the social aspect of my life. And we had a DJ who didn't show up one night, so I subbed in, and everybody said, "Hey, you did a really good job." And and then other people asked if I would sub in, and then there was a local. Uh, you know, bar that ended up saying, well, could you sub in for us? And before I knew it, I'd found my way into this uh, DJ business and goofy as it sounds that that was sort of my foray into becoming an entrepreneur was just, Oh, this business found me and I went with it. Hmm. And ever since then, I keep finding these entrepreneurial uh, aspects of my life. that I just love chasing. So they're fun. Well, and I've known you for a long time. Uh, I don't know how how, probably seven, eight years probably since we first met? Oh, I bet it's before that. I think we met pre-2008. This was, we won't say who, but it was a coaching conference <laughs> more than a decade ago 
when we initially met through a mutual friend that owns some software. And so it was out in Arizona. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That is longer ago than I'd I expect. No, we go back a ways. Wow. <laughs> and, and, been, you know, our lives kind of come together and move apart <laughs> over time, but uh, we we spent uh, a fair amount of time over the years together. Yeah, and and full disclosure, I mean, I had been your coach. I've been to yep. your office. So a, a lot of the stuff that I'm going to ask you today, uh, they're going to be quite loaded questions, David, because sure. I well, know you, yeah, you insider yeah. knowledge. Yeah, I, I do have a little bit of that. So let's talk about what makes your practice unique and different. How, how do you define? what you do that separates you from your competition in your area. Actually, I'm sorry, before that, let's talk about your area. So okay. let's, let's talk about the demographics of where you are, location, size of the city, stuff like that. Sure. So uh, our office is in rural Oregon, and it's quite rural. The The county has a population of about 60,000, and the geographic area of the county is roughly the size of Rhode Island. Uh <laughs> And, and in my local community, there's about 26,000 in the service community around where I live. So it's a small town. The It's a timber town originally. Uh, and that, that so the infrastructure was built around timber and a lot of land ownership. And then over the past several decades, uh, due to environmental regulations and so forth, that industry has evolved a ton. And it's really changed the dynamic of the town. Uh, but it's... It's on Interstate 5. It's fairly affordable real estate in between California and Seattle. So it, it, the people still come here. There's a you know robust hospital system and so forth. So it's a great retirement community, but it's not a big population-rich area. And the really interesting thing about it, Matt, is I didn't start here. Hmm. I moved here in 2002, but I did not grow up in this area. So I wasn't a native. I wasn't in the old boys club or anything like that. Yeah. And it's freaking beautiful. If you guys ever have the chance to go there, it is stunningly beautiful. The 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 mountains and the the timber. I mean, just the woods. It's it's and beautiful. wine. There's a lot of vineyards. I mean, I people. I wake up in the morning and I take a commute that's about seven minutes from my office or from my home to my office, and a good four minutes of it is driving past a vineyard. Mm. So it's just really God's country out here. There's no way around it. So. Not a huge population center. How have you separated yourself from, because there are other advisors in your town. Oh, yeah, there's definitely other advisors in town. Uh, and separation just sort of occurred very organically. I don't know how much of it we did intentionally other than just being what we were going to be and being authentic about it. Uh, I know that we, we treat ourselves as the education resource for the community. Right. And if you actually look on our sign, it just says we do three things. We educate, we plan, we invest. And the education component is something that we give it away. Right. And 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 I, I've always done that because it's in my nature, but we just feel like educating your investors is a really good way to help to you know you grow your market share over time because you build trust. So we did that. And then we really take the boutique thing seriously. So uh, you know, we're a tactical investment shop. We do most of our own investment management internally uh, for a rural community. I mean, we we leverage technology a lot more than I I think typical practices. At least my coaches tell me that we leverage technology a lot. So we've tried to use all of those tools to our advantage to be faster, leaner. Mm -hmm. uh, we're very aggressive on the customer service side of things, and all of those begin to sort of speak to your brand and help differentiate you. 
Now, let's talk about education. How long did it take for you to become the go-to place in town as the, the financial educator? So it took a while, and we did have, and I'll, you know, let me fess up to this earlier. I think we had an opportunity that was placed in front of us that really helped. Uh, what happened was there was another advisor in town who was retiring, and for years he had done a radio show locally once a week. And when he retired, they were looking to fill the spot. Well, I happened to know the editor of the paper at the time who was, or I guess he wasn't, he became the editor of the paper, but he had been the head of the radio uh, stations in town. And so there's a single ownership entity that has multiple radio stations in our small town. They ultimately purchased the paper as well. That's why, it, mm -hmm. you know, tying them together is because they're kind of the media conglomerate for the community. But they approached me and said, hey, would you be interested in doing this? And, you know, the answer was, well, duh. Yeah. So, yes, of course we would be interested. And once we took on the radio show, I was really given carte blanche. It was, well, you can turn it into a commercial, you can do whatever you want. And that was the opportunity to say, let's become the education resource. Because that's where, that's just naturally where my heart's at, Matt. I mean, you know, you spend yeah. time with uh, that's who I am. Yeah. So we do that. And then the community just started, we invited them, Hey, call the office. If you mm -hmm. run into a question, just reach out. And they started doing it. Right. But it, it definitely wasn't overnight. And, and one of the things that I think, uh, uh, has made your practice very successful is your consistency, right? You, you, you've shown a commitment in your community that you are an educator, uh, that you're, that you're available and that you do provide unbelievable customer service. And I don't know if we're going to have a lot of time to get into that today, because I think that could probably be its entire podcast. But um, but let's let's uh, let's switch gears then. So so education is is huge. It's something you've got to stick with. Uh, the, the radio has worked very very well for you. Uh, you can actually check them out. Uh, they live stream uh, the radio show on Facebook, and we'll we'll give some of those deets uh, at the end of the podcast. But I want to talk about some of the marketing things because you are an innovator, you are open to marketing ideas. Let's talk about some of the marketing ideas that didn't go well before we go into the ones that have. All right. So things that didn't go well. Ooh, we've had some real catastrophes with webinars. Oh, Some people do really well with them. Uh, our adoption rate on webinars, at least live webinars, has been terrible. <laughs> I don't know if we even had the right formula because we've tried to make education events and say, oh, you want to learn about this? Check it out. And those have been just fall on your face, flat dead. <laughs> we get one sign up or something like that. And you think, great. So <laughs> I'm going to do a webinar for one person. It's just a, a call at that point. So, so those have been ugly. Uh, but then we've had some that have been hosted events. And, you know, we have a good size conference room that we hold education events in. And depending on the, the topic, some topics have been completely useless. Others, we filled the room up. Mm. Uh, example, what, what, uh, what, what is one that you filled the room up? Okay. Well, uh, one of them that we fill the room up consistently with is uh, understanding and maximizing social security benefits. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. So that one is, we can count on getting 20, 30 people in a room pretty pretty quickly when we start talking about social security. Uh, another one that we fill the room up quickly with is will and estate planning. So I've got an attorney buddy in town. I bring him in. We will sort of tag team the event. 
and we both cover elements of how to execute a will or a trust and just cover those questions in estate planning. And that's always good for, again, 20, 30 people fill the room up in a hurry. We're not, we're not promoting food and any of that stuff. We're just saying, this is just the topic. If you want to come, come. And they do. You know, I'm going to uh, full disclosure here because I gave you a terrible marketing idea at one point that I was so excited about uh, because uh, another advisor that I know had done uh, that, uh, that, that idea. Do you, do you remember which one that was? Are we, are we talking about the breakfast with Santa? Uh, no. Uh, but, uh, but <laughs> we can talk. I mean, that's one we can talk about. It's been okay. Yeah. Right. And that's one that's been, it's been evolving and it's cute. I just don't know if there's a lot of ROI. Well, it's interesting because the breakfast with Santa one didn't work great for you, but your pumpkin cruise, which I, I want to talk about that is actually a great event. And you do the, the luau one, which is another great event. So right. it's interesting why that wouldn't um, resonate, but I was actually talking about the billboard. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you remember the billboard, dude? Oh my goodness. So it was this beautiful billboard of a huge picture of David's face. And uh, it was marketing to the, the lumber mills because, you know, that's a huge component uh, of, of, of what your area is. And, and so how much business did you get from that? Zero. Yeah. How many people, how many people even brought up that they saw the billboard? Oh, a handful. <laughs> they were people that were in my life already. I know. Oh, it was such a good idea. I thought, boy, I was a swing and a miss. But uh, luckily, that wasn't wasn't horribly pricey. But okay, so let's talk about the events that are going well. So we're going to switch gears and talk about what's going well for you right now. So we talked about um, uh, the Pumpkin Cruise and your Luau. How have you built, because these are like sought after events that the community wants to attend. How, how did you do that? So some of it is, or you've already touched on a lot, consistency is a big one, and then you build a following. And part of what you have to do is throw a good party. Mm-hmm. And now, it's not, a, it's not a sloppy party. It's a good party, right? And there's different kinds of definitions of good, I suppose. We are not throwing a party with the intention to get everybody intoxicated or anything like that. We just want them to really have a good time and enjoy themselves and the company. So you start with that as the concept and you build off of it, and then you're consistent. We've been doing the luau's now for, gosh, uh, six, seven years. So we've done a bunch of them, and and we have a, a fairly consistent calendar. And so we'll send mm-hmm. out – we really prep our clients for this stuff. We send out a save-the-date refrigerator magnet at the beginning of the year that says, here's the key parties that are coming up, or here's the key events that you're going to want to participate in. And so they know, hey, put these on the calendar because they're coming. Uh, we do a March Madness event every year. For, and that's just an easy one. It's a lunch where we watch the basketball tournament for the NCAA just mm-hmm. for the first couple of days because it's a zoo, right? So we do that. Uh, we do a, a, a private event for uh, mostly for widows and unmarried women, but we call it Galentine's Day. It's a fun one, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, then we do our luau. And that's a consistent one. And we may, it, that's interesting too. It may not be a luau going forward, but it's always some kind of summer picnic style fun event. We do the pumpkin cruise that I'll talk more about in a minute. We've done uh, an event with, it's it's basically pictures and Santa Claus has been uh, the theme and whether there's a breakfast or not, but, but we've done this sort of Christmas style event as well. And we do something a little bit throughout the year, so we're always staying in front of our clients trying to add additional value beyond just the financial stuff. We really try to connect with them at a personal level. 
I so consistency. It's mm-hmm. it, it's a lot of fun. It's an actual party. Um, I love the save the dates. Those are something that I know very few advisors do. And that you, I've gotten those at the beginning of the year, so I know when these events are are going to happen. Um, but there was one other key component of execution that you and I were talking a little bit about um, before before we started recording. Would you you want to talk about those? Sure. So one of the things is we're all busy, Matt. Right. I mean, you're busy. I'm busy. If you think about, we had to schedule this call. We did it well in advance. Mm-hmm. And what did what did you do first? What you ask for an RSVP? Oh dear God, yes. <laughs> it's like what did I do first? Actually, David, I don't have any idea. My team does it all, but that's okay. Keep going. Brilliant. Well, hey, good people make for good organizations, right? <laughs> yeah, totally. So, so one of the things that we do is we send out this save the date magnet, but we don't leave it to chance as to how many people we expect to come to an event. We have a series of outreaches that we then give to our clients leading up to each event. So we have an email distribution list. And for example, about a month out, we'll send a reminder card, just a postcard. And if you've never used it, we use a company called Send Out Cards. There's probably others as well, but they're really convenient. And we just enter it in there. We have our database of addresses. Yes, it costs a little money because you're doing a physical mailer, but they handle all the details. It's just like sending an email, hit go. So we do that. And we send out a reminder postcard. And then about two weeks out, we start sending emails where we, we ask for an RSVP. And here's the key that I was telling Matt prior to this call that I think people miss on the RSVP. Uh, what we do is we send out a, or do you want to attend yes or no? It's the or no that I think people miss. Because if you don't respond at all to the first one, then we keep you on a list and we send you another reminder a few days later. If you do respond yes or no, then we take you off the reminder list because we know you've committed one way or the other, and we don't keep hammering you with more emails. And that way we whittle the list down to just the people that are left, and then we get a head count for who's coming that helps us to plan things like catering or other infrastructure for the event, whether we're gonna need overflow parking. I mean, little things like, hey, do we need to, get an extra person on deck to make sure that we've got the parking lot covered so people know where to go and they can direct traffic. Uh, And it all depends on the size and scale of the event, but we need to get a sense of who's coming. So this process of RSVP is really valuable, but it's the, the no that's the really critical is when you, when we, we found if we just sent them a, Hey, do you want to come to the event? Click here to RSVP. If they weren't going to come, they wouldn't click at all. So we kept asking them. Mm-hmm. And finally, some people would call and say, stop sending me emails. <laughs> they went, aha. Yeah. Well, now when we say, if you're not going to come, click no, then we know they're not coming and we stop bombarding them. Yeah. But And, and it's polite. I'm using the term barbard, but uh, we're very respectful of our clients. We try to make them clever and stand out and, and be cute and so forth. But that's the key, Matt, is give them the option of both say yes or say no. Yeah. And your stuff is always very eye-catching. Uh, it's very funny. You guys are, I think, well-known uh, for not taking yourselves too seriously. Would you mind talking just a little bit about that before we? Uh, I ask you the last two questions for today? Sure, of course. So I'm really big on voice, right? And And I use that term because voice is the way the company speaks to their customers. And I think it's part of your brand. So for, for us, we're all about being highly approachable and taking what is an otherwise complicated or sometimes intimidating t- 
topic, which is finance, and then distilling it down to very user-friendly and approachable. So what our clients know is we're smart, but we're approachable. And that was really important. So that voice is something that we're always pushing through. And we do it by being sometimes, I'll call it politely irreverent, right? You know, we can, mm-hmm. we can poke fun at something without being mean. So we'll tease a little bit and we'll keep it interesting because we're relating to real people. So we really like to humanize the business. We, we sort of shun the idea of being big, corporate, and unapproachable. We want to be the opposite. We want to be like the, the fun uncle in your family that you love hanging out with. And it just feels that way, right? I mean, it's and it's not just you; it's the team. Uh, you know, it's it's this your smile. It's how they're greeted when they come in. And again, we could really uh, dive into an entirely other podcast on on customer service. But now I want to get down to to you. So you have um, you have grown exponentially. Uh, you have an ama- amazing systems in place. Uh, you're you're pretty much firing on all cylinders, but if you had one piece of advice for new advisors or new agents, what would it be? Oh, wow. If I had one piece of advice, it would be build the right team. Hmm. And the reason I say that is because I can have all of the systems in the world, but invariably, our industry is not great at making, it can make certain things reproducible, but human interactions are not. So having a team that really understands that that the client interaction is the single most important thing that we do, that I think is key to developing success. You know, if, if you've got a, a lousy team or if you aren't going to staff adequately to really deliver on the service, then you're kind of t- you're just playing roulette with whether or not you're going to fail to manage a client expectation and then have that client relationship be unseatable. Now, I asked you, you answered my final question as we were kind of warming up for the podcast, and your uh, answer to it was so much fun, and I have yet to hear anybody who has answered it this way. So the question is, what keeps you working so hard every day? And, you know, people answer all over the place. You know, they'll say, like, well, you know, well, Matt, I truly love what I do, uh, and that's great, right? And and I'm good for you. Or, you know, I'd like to make more money, blah, blah, blah. But your answer to that was, I think, more relatable so do you remember how you answered that a good half hour, 45 minutes ago? I, I think so. And it was I was relaying something that's interesting. See, I don't think that my motivation is naturally internal. That's the funny thing to me is some people, they say, well, what, you know, what gets you out of bed in the morning and what's get you fired up? And I find myself going, I don't know. I'm pretty comfortable. I like my bed. <laughs> so <laughs> you go, well, then what does it for you? And what it is is, I am really competitive, you know, not in a weird way, but I like to do well. And so whether I'm exercising at the gym or playing in an athletic event or anything, I mean, heck, just driving, (laughs) wanting to be competitive, not, but but compete well, right? Mm -hmm. So I really think that's important, like be competitive, but be a good sport. So, so I have this sort of internal motivation to compete. So what I'm constantly doing is trying to surround myself with other high achievers and then I'm just naturally motivated to try to keep up with the pack or get ahead of the pack. And that's a big thing that that drives me is surround myself with other people that are motivated because I enjoy that culture and I perform in it as a result. But it's weird because you know folks are always looking for this internal motivation. And I go, well, you know, me too. But 
it's I'm not not motivated. It's just that I'm not naturally motivated. If if I went and hung out with a bunch of folks that just didn't care and there was nothing but apathy in my life, I think I could drift into apathy. Mm. So instead, I love entrepreneurs. I love the ideas. I love the human interactions. And so seeking the human interactions is what drives me to perform. So call it a chicken or egg thing if you'd like, but I think that's what you're asking. And that's really what gets me up and running in the morning. And I, I absolutely love that because I think he, having people hear that will allow them to embrace their true motivation, right? When you go to conferences, uh, you know, when you get invited to, to those sorts of things, I mean, there is an element of competition there. And, and for some of you, uh, you shun it. Uh, and for some of you, you're kind of uneasy about it. But for most of you, there's nothing wrong with having external motivation to keep you moving on a much, much stronger. I mean, like if you don't have somebody go ahead. What? Well, so it raises the bar, Matt. This yeah. is a fun story. I mean, so I ran track in college and at one point, uh, you know, I had to train with some folks that were extraordinary. Now I ran the hurdles. I wasn't that great, believe it or not, but I was around some people that were extraordinary. Mm -hmm. So at the time, Alan Johnson was the world record holder and I had to train around this guy. You know, I'll be doggone if I didn't get better and better and better just chasing him. Mm -hmm. So that's the thing is that when you surround yourself with overachievers and you just try to keep up, it's amazing what you can do. Well, and I want everybody who's listening to think about that. What, where, where are you at? Are you the person who is the front of the pack? If so, you're in the wrong pack. You should always try to find somebody who's bigger, better, stronger, faster, more intelligent, more successful, and look at what they're doing. Uh, you know, David, you and you know my family well enough, but I've one of my kids who's a competitive swimmer, and it's unbelievable when he gets out of the normal uh, high school swim meets and he starts swimming at regionals or quarterfinals or at the states. He got faster and faster because everybody else got faster and faster. And that's exactly how you need to look at business. Agree. And one thing I'd add to it is one of the things that I think advisors suffer from is we get a little myopic about our industry. Mm. Associate with others mm -hmm. that are successful too outside of your industry. Uh, Matt, you know this, uh, and I'll reiterate it. I think coaching is valuable. Mm -hmm. you, you get out there and you work with other folks that are motivated and connected with other people. And they sort of enhance your, one, they enhance your network. They also enhance your perspective, right? Mm -hmm. you, you look and say, well, okay, so maybe I'm doing great in the financial industry where I want to be, but there's another element of my life that I need to focus on that's not just professional. And all of a sudden you're challenged and you're driving there too. So yeah. I do like the quest for perpetual improvement and I think finding those other people to, you know, as you said, find another pack that's going to challenge you. Yes, I agree completely. Awesome. David, thank you very much for uh, sharing your wisdom and uh, your advice and giving our audience a, a brief glimpse into Little John Financial Services. It's a pleasure, Matt. Thanks again for having me. If you have not subscribed to the podcast, make sure you click that subscribe now button below. That way, every time we come out with a new podcast, we'll show up directly on your listening device. And if you know somebody who is trying to really solidify their local market, all you have to do is click that share button. Super easy to share this with other financial services professionals. So for everybody at WealthFest and Little John Financial Services, this is Matt Halloran, and we'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of WealthVest or Top Advisor Marketing. The mere appearance of content on the site does not constitute an endorsement by WealthVest or Top Advisor Marketing.
The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. Wealthfest or Top Advisor Marketing do not make any representation or warranties with respect to the accuracy, applicability, fitness, or completeness of the content. Wealthvest or Top Advisor Marketing does not warrant the performance, effectiveness, or applicability of any sites listed or linked to any content. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.